I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. When Jenna first met Jason in college, she saw a lot of him. I was in like a huge suite with five other girls and we had a common room. And from our common room, we could look into Jason's window, into his very tiny double. Every day we could probably see him sleeping and getting dressed. But then later in our friendship, like I'd text him and be like, hey, just so you know, like your curtain's up and you're standing in your boxers. I know I've downplayed the importance of meat cutes in the past, but I have to say this one's pretty good. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Jenna's an intern at the Boston Globe, and we work closely together. When I told her I was exploring the question of knowing in a relationship, she was like, well, I do. Now, she's only 21, but she told me, I know I want to be with my boyfriend forever. And that's possible, right? I mean, some people do have gut feelings about a partner in their teens or early 20s, and then they stay together forever. Others think they know, but it falls apart as they grow up. So if you do have those feelings at a young age, how do you trust them? After they meet in the dorm, Jenna and Jason start spending more time together. Just as friends, at first. They text all day long, they share meals in the dining hall, they binge the TV show Workaholics and take walks through the park at night. I think because it was freshman year and that can be such a shitty time for so many people, I like really lucked out because of Jason Like, even on my worst days when I was just, like, fed up with everything, just, like, needed to chill out, needed to cry, needed to just, like, eat insomnia cookies. Like, he was always there for me. Toward the end of freshman year, Jenna and Jason both realize there's more here than friendship, so they start dating. They face a number of tests. They're the months apart from each other when Jenna's away for the summer. There's a trip to Europe where they have to learn how to travel together. And then there's this rainy drive home from Montreal where they learn to air their grievances. I think it was when I turned on Lana Del Rey's full playlist for like the thousandth time. Without saying anything, he just changed the music and I was like, okay. But that like taught us kind of how to like vocalize being upset with each other. And that was something that I didn't see in a lot of other relationships like amongst our friend group, like if they were upset with their boyfriend. I'm rooting for these two. The way they sit next to each other as I talk to them. The way their friendship comes first. The way they calmly tell me that they were solidly ready to move in with each other junior year in a tiny studio apartment 
just because they were both sort of over the college partying life. I think we are definitely the outliers. People refer to us as like the mom and dad of the group, and we kind of just are. We don't go out and like party like most of our friends. We go to work, we go to class, we come home and make like extravagant dinners and are in bed by 10. I think I've always been like that a little bit, a little bit more mature, and I think she has as well. So I think that's one of the reasons why our relationship works so well. That's where we're at. And so many people are like, oh, you'll see, like, you know, when you get older in the real world, you'll see what it's like. But to me, like, there's not a doubt in my mind that I'm like, yep, this person for the rest of my life, I'm cool with that. On Valentine's Day, I was like, look at this. You cannot deny this is a gray hair. And he was like, yep, it's gray. And I was like, get the scissors. And we started out our Valentine's Day by him clipping a gray hair off of my head. And what did that tell you about your partnership? that there is probably nothing he wouldn't do for me at that point. (laughs) Jenna and her boyfriend do leave me with questions, though. Like, what happens when you make a choice early in life, but you don't fully know yourself yet? I want to tell you a story about a guy we're calling Lance. We came in contact with him on a Reddit relationships thread. Lance is in his early 40s. He's married with children. He works in IT for the military and lives in the Midwest. Let's start with the day that Lance met his wife. It was a blind date. We got to the door and I walked up the steps and she answered and I thought that she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my entire life. And we had a wonderful date. We ate Safeway Chinese food and sat around a fire and played video games, which I destroyed her friend at, and she then turned around and destroyed me at. It was pretty great. From there, the relationship accelerates quickly. Within just two months, Lance proposes to her. Two months after that, they're married. He's 21, and she's 18, just out of high school. About a week before I proposed is when I got hit by this confirmation. It was just like... It was like an anvil dropping on my head. I I had no doubts at all whatsoever in my mind that this was the person that I needed in my life. One reason Lance is so certain about this relationship is their shared religious background. Both he and his wife have grown up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Being Mormon, they already share not just a cultural bond, but a set of values. A big one is the importance placed on family. A family is considered a sacred unit, something to be nourished and protected and held together, no matter what. That was one of the main reasons that we were able to, you know, move through our, our dating process so quickly. It was because we knew we shared this common core of belief. For both of us, it was kind of the the cornerstone for our lives. There's uh, a practice in the church where holders of the priesthood can give a blessing of uh, comfort and direction to anyone. And I asked my dad for such a blessing and when he laid his hands on my head, I just had this feeling 
wash over me head to toe. He said in the blessing that we had been reserved for each other. And in that moment, I, I knew it. I felt it completely. Not long into the marriage, though, problems creep in. Lance plays video games, and his wife begins to resent the time he's spending on the computer. And so she talked a lot about seeing the back of my head more than the front and really began to feel kind of isolated. And I had no idea that she was going through any of that because she didn't really communicate it to me until this pattern had gone on for quite a while. They have other arguments, too. Still, None of this makes Lance any less certain that his wife is the person he should spend his life with. It really just feels like I just knew. It's something kind of outside of, you know, my logical understanding of the way things work. It was just something beyond all of that. It was like a different plane of understanding completely. It isn't until Lance and his wife are about to have a son that more serious doubts emerge. Lance is in his early 20s at this point, and around this time, he starts to Google pictures of men. At the time, he tries to justify this to himself, like he needs examples of strong male bodies to keep motivated at the gym. But Lance's wife suspects otherwise. And it was probably about the third time or or fourth time that she had caught me looking at, you know, pictures of guys online, that she asked the question, you know, do you think you might have some same-sex attraction going on here? And the honest truth is that I hadn't. I had not actually asked myself that question in, in all these years. I didn't know how to answer her. I was flabbergasted. And the idea of being bisexual had never really occurred to me as as a reality. But Lance did start to realize that he'd always had flickers of attraction, or at least curiosity, toward men. He'd felt that since childhood. It had always been there. Lance says that after his wife confronted him, he spent years trying to figure out what all of this meant. Ultimately, I did not want the answer to be um, that I was attracted to men. I did not want that to be a part of my personal makeup. I didn't want it to complicate my life. And of course, ultimately, you know, I had to fess up to myself and realize that this is part of who I am. And for better or for worse, you know, this is me. Lance tries to reconcile these feelings with his faith in the Mormon church. The plan of salvation that we talk about in church where, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman by design and that that's how eternal families continue and and are modeled. Um, You know, I was definitely in that camp for sure. And I was just looking for support and a way to experience these attractions and still have full fellowship in the church. At this point, Lance is about to leave for basic military training, far from home. Before he goes, he says he tries to have a heart-to-heart with his wife about how he was feeling. You know, I wanted to bring her into that conversation and 
try to make a little more sense of things. And when she said it wasn't anything that she felt like we needed to talk about, what I heard was, I don't want to talk about this issue anymore with you. A few months later, Lance returns and feels alone and isolated. He doesn't feel like he can talk to his wife. Before he'd left for training, he had tried to connect with members of the church who were going through similar struggles, but he came away from that unsatisfied. A few months later, Lance leaves home again for on-the-job training three hours away from home. That's when he downloads Scruff. It's a dating app for gay, bisexual, and transgender men. He's not using it to find a date, he says, but for friendship and networking. In his profile, Lance discloses he's married to a woman. Lance connects with several guys on the app, including two roommates he starts chatting with independently. The three of them wind up getting together for a movie and pizza. For me, that was actually really cathartic just to experience, um, you know, not having to have any masks on, you know, to be just me and be known and seen and to experience that camaraderie where there's no veil hiding anything. I was just looking to be able to state my experience and have it be truly accepted by somebody who knows what it means to not be accepted and then to find acceptance. We'll be back with Lance after a short break. Lance is staying at a hotel alone while at this job training. After making a few friends, he develops a faster friendship with another guy on the dating app, a man I'm going to call David. As they talk, Lance is struck by how well David seems to know him. He can anticipate what he's feeling. Sometimes it's like David could read his mind. After some phone conversations, Lance and David finally meet in real life. They talk, they watch movies, they go shopping. Over the course of time, I started realizing uh, after we'd been hanging out probably a couple of weeks that there was definitely uh, more of a physical attraction than I wanted there to be in this relationship. And I could tell that it was being reciprocated. This feels like a big problem. Lance doesn't want to cheat on his wife. Plus, he doesn't want to ruin this friendship that he's really come to treasure. I remember one time, you know, he, he said something along the lines of, you're attracted to me, aren't you? <laughs> just, just something really simple like that. And it wasn't even anything relating to the subject matter we were talking about. It was just like he just saw it, even the things I didn't want him to see. Lance mentions to his wife that he's found this new friend. She is somewhat alarmed by this, Lance says. She asks how they met. I did not, I did not answer that question truthfully, uh, which I should have looking back. But at the time, 
I knew that if I told her that I had met him on a gay dating app, that that would be the end of that friendship. And at the time, I really just couldn't bear that thought. David manages a retail business where he works both night and day shifts, and he has a long commute from his house. At one point, in order for them to have time to hang out, Lance tells David that he can crash in his hotel room where Lance is staying. With the idea being that he would sleep in the extra bed, and that's just not what happened. Um, you know, we ended up uh, cuddling and fell asleep, and one thing led to another when we woke up in the morning. Um, you know, things became sexual. It's like almost impossible to describe everything that went through my head and my heart during that 24 hours. I wanted to stop it. I also did not want to stop it at all. And the reality is that I ended up, you know, in this situation with somebody that I cared very deeply about. So that morning, in the hotel, Lance and David try to come to terms with what happened. But Lance has to get back to his job training. And all day long at work, you know, I'm just beside myself trying to figure out, A, how did I get to this point? How did I ignore so many red flags? It was never even a question that I would never be part of this situation, and yet here I am. When Lance returns from work, he sees David again. There are tears and apologies. Lance tells David that he feels compelled to tell his wife about what happened and that his loyalty must remain with her. Both of them recognize what this means. Whatever this is between them, it'll have to end. One thing that I had withheld was kissing him. I, I wanted to somehow retain <laughs> some kind of intimacy, you know, away from that situation. Now that it's the afternoon and, and we're realizing that things are going to end, you know, he looks at me and he says, if, if this is going to be the last time I see you, I just have to know what kissing you is like. And so he leaned in and, and kissed me. And then things got physical again. There was a sense of disappointment in myself that I had, you know, let him crash through yet another barrier um, that I had set up. At the same time, it was every bit as exhilarating as the first time I ever kissed a girl. It was, it was awesome. It was incredible. Here's a guy who was sure that his wife was the one. So sure, in fact, that he'd once likened that feeling to an anvil falling on his head. And now he was in a hotel room, kissing someone else, a man. Now, in his mid-30s, he's facing a major crossroads. He's got a wife and kids by this point, a family he's vowed to hold sacred. He's also still attracted to his wife and loves her. But he's got these undeniable feelings that seem to threaten all of those things. Before their inevitable goodbye, Lance and David go for a meal. 
at a local jack-in-the-box. It's somber, Lance remembers. We're both sitting there with, like, red-rimmed eyes ordering chicken sandwiches. I had told him that I was going to call my wife the next day and let her know what had happened. You know, he knew what that meant. And he asked me to call him afterwards and tell him how everything went, what the results were. So I told him that I would. But when I talked to my wife, uh, she had me promise her that I would never speak to him again. So tell me about the experience of disclosing this to your wife. It was brutal. It was easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Lance asks her if she's sitting down, and then he tells her everything. I think she was in a little bit of shock. She said, so you committed adultery. You're an adulterer. And that reality just stabbed me. I think I just became numb from that point in the conversation on. When he gets back home, Lance says, he has one overriding goal, to save his marriage. Lance and his wife seek counseling. He works to regain her trust. That's what he's been doing for the last couple of years. And that's what Lance was still doing when we first spoke to him this year. My greatest hope has, from the beginning, been to, you know, rebuild. And ultimately, like, you know, it it needs to be better than it was. Um, So that's the goal. Um, I I wish I could say that we've made better strides. But, um, you know, every day is still kind of a struggle. I wondered what Lance meant by better than it was. What would that even look like? It's really tough to say what life scenario would actually make me feel complete. I think that's that's a tough word for me right now. You know, because I don't I don't know that there is a realistic scenario in which I find that completeness. Lance says he's thought about leaving his marriage for what he calls a freer life. His wife doesn't want an open relationship, though. Lance is still trying to figure out what freedom and the right partnership looks like for him. Where he was once so certain, Lance now has a lot of questions. Is this going to be enough to fulfill me for the rest of my life? And I, I didn't really get the opportunity to even ask that question because I didn't know that it was there to be asked. There were certain moments in life where you were able to make a decision that to me sounded like faith. You know, faith in the fact that you had the exact right partner, faith that um, something was meant to be in some ways. And it sounds like some of that has been um, shaken or changed. And I wonder, you know, are you still confident about that that innate sense of knowing. You know, sometimes people come into our lives in certain periods of our lives for particular reasons. Like, I, I still can't question that it happened. Um, I just can't. It was too personal. It was too life-changing. But was that really meant to be forever, or was that just meant to be for that period of my life? You bring up such an interesting point about... Um, 
knowing that something is right for you without requiring the promise of forever. But that, of course, brings us back to, like, you know, sort of what you learned in the church, that forever was such a big part of how family was defined. Right. And, you know, contemplating choices that could potentially break that idea for me, at least in at least in my life, um, is one of the things that I struggle with now. The contemplation that, you know, maybe I don't have a forever family. A couple of years ago, Lance says, he created a new Facebook account to sneak a message to David. We had a very brief exchange. It was like two or three comments apiece where I was basically just able to tell him, you know, hey, life is good. Um, Sorry that things ended the way they did. Um, I think that you and I both deserve closure. And I think you're a fantastic guy, Um, you know, sincere and kind, and you have a lot to offer the world. So, you know, I hope that you're doing well and that you're happy and that you feel loved. And I said, you know, even though it was hard, I feel like I made the right choice. Over the course of this season, we're going to check in with Lance from time to time as he works on his marriage and thinks about his future. I think what we can learn from this question of knowing when you're young is that no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, you have to acknowledge that you'll grow, change, and learn more about yourself over time. Some people can do that together, but sometimes loving someone means accepting that you might take different paths. There's still just so much we don't understand about, you know, how all of these issues uh, affect individuals and individuals within societal groups. And, um, you know, I just really hope that something that we've talked about here today can help somebody else. And uh, if nothing else, let uh, other people know out there that they're not alone. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Our senior producer is Amy Padula. Our executive producer is Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith is our audience engagement manager. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. We want to know how you knew or didn't know something about a relationship. Email the team at lovelettersatboston.com or find us on Twitter. You can use the hashtag loveletterspodcast. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.